Hello, Rebecca Mays here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. This episode of Stick Together was produced on Jarjarwarang country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. It is brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. As the Delta outbreak causes the Victorian government to again impose lockdowns in some regional areas, I had a chat with Brett Edgington from Ballarat Trades and Labor Council about the impact this is having on workers and the community. But first, some union news. This week, the ACTU released a statement calling on the Morrison government to support the end of the military junta and the return of democracy to the people of Myanmar. This includes the recognition of the National Unity Government, NUG, as the true representatives of the people of Myanmar and not the military junta at the 76th session of the UN General Assembly, which convened this week. The ACTU joined unions around the world on the UN International Day for Democracy to support the recognition of the NUG. The NUG is the democratically elected government of Myanmar, which was ousted by the military in a coup in February. The junta is responsible for over a thousand civilian deaths. The military junta are attacking and repressing trade unionists and workers, with trade union leaders being arrested, hunted and driven into hiding. Sixteen trade unions and labour rights organisations have been outlawed. Over 300,000 workers have been dismissed for peacefully protesting and striking against the military. The coup and COVID-19 have pushed more than 25 million people into poverty. Australia is shamefully out of step with international efforts to end military rule in Myanmar. While the USA, UK and EU have all implemented sanctions against the coup leaders and military-linked businesses, the Morrison government is looking to deepen its ties by pushing ahead with ratification of the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RCEP, trade agreement. The government introduced the enabling bill for RCEP into Parliament on the 1st of September and is expected to be debated when Parliament resumes in October. The ACTU reiterates its call for the Morrison government to renegotiate the RCEP agreement to address a number of flaws and to not ratify the RCEP with Myanmar until democratic rule is restored. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill said the Australian union movement stands in solidarity with the trade union movement in Myanmar who are resisting the military dictatorship. They are calling on the international community to support their struggle for democracy through the implementation of sanctions and recognition of the national unity government. It's well past time the Morrison government took meaningful action to support the people of Myanmar. An update on what's happening with the truckies. Last Friday, the ABC reported that Star Trek workers will hold a 24-hour strike on Thursday, claiming the company's management has declined an invitation to hold an urgent negotiation meeting this week. The truck drivers say they have been asking the company, which is owned by Australia Post, to include specific guarantees in their enterprise agreement to lessen the impact of outsourcing, but the company has knocked them back. The TWU says Star Trek has been outsourcing work at increasing rates, to as high as 70% at some yards, and the practice is threatening employees' jobs. 
The vote to strike next week comes after Australia Post delivered more parcels last month than during the Christmas period last year due to COVID lockdowns across the country. In the most recent financial year, Australia Post reported a record group revenue of $8.3 billion, up 10.3%, and a profit before tax of $100.7 million. It returned dividends to the federal government of $46.2 million. Star Trek was the group's most profitable arm, with volumes up 12.2%. Star Trek workers are fighting for their enterprise agreement to include the same paying conditions for labour hire workers as employees. They also want the agreement to include caps on the use of outside hire and a commitment to offer all available hours to Star Trek employees before contracting out work. TWU National Secretary Michael Caine said standards were being driven down across major transport operators in Australia as the country reels from the Amazon effect. He said Star Trek's management were toying with workers' livelihoods at the same time as workers were under intense pressure to deliver record volumes of parcels. Supply chains are wrung dry by cost-cutting by wealthy retailers while operators are forced to compete with exploitative Amazon Flex, Mr Kane said. Last week, a ballot closed with 90% endorsement of strike action, giving about 2,000 Star Trek members, roughly 70% of the workforce, protection to strike. Australian employees can only legally go on strike during enterprise bargaining negotiations if a majority of workers supports industrial action in a vote overseen by the Fair Work Commission. The TWU said job security guarantees were being sought by thousands of workers at numerous major transport operators. A FedEx protected action ballot closed on Friday at 5pm and ballots at BevChain and Linfox closed on Monday and Tuesday respectively. Negotiations are continuing at Toll and Toll Global Express after last month's 24-hour strike by thousands of truck drivers. Protests have escalated this week after violent clashes between anti-lockdown protesters and police. Events surrounding the construction industry sparked by fears of mandatory vaccination have raised some pretty important issues. Here are a few things to ponder. There seems to be a sense amongst protesters that their freedoms are being suppressed. One protester talked on social media about vaccination, creating a segregated society where the unvaccinated will be restricted from participating in certain work and social activities. This is a good point. Many of us like to think that freedom of choice, freedom of expression and the right to peaceful assembly are imperative to a healthy democracy. However, if we are open to listening to people who are marginalised by this system, we begin to understand that actually we're already living in a segregated society. So many groups in our society are pushed to the margins by a system based on white supremacy, patriarchy and capitalism. This social status quo is perpetuated by both the state and federal governments through political discourse, legislation and enforcement. But it's so normalised that it is invisible to the majority of Australians. The CFMEU has released a statement condemning the violence that erupted outside their offices in Melbourne this week, saying that the crowd was heavily infiltrated by neo-Nazis and other right-wing extremist groups. This may well be the case, but there are deeper issues here. Many union officials are no longer in touch with their members, and given the ongoing consequences of neoliberal policies on workers' wages and conditions, the economic pinch being felt by so many working-class Australians desperately needs to be addressed. Proud Guninyandi woman, Auntie Viv Marlow, went down to talk to people at the protest on Tuesday. Let's hear what she and some of the protesters had to say. 
I'm standing in Melbourne with these bunch of socks. Look at them. Call themselves freedom fighters and, and warriors, heroes. Come down to shout them down and remind them whose land they're on. And they're endangering people. You know, I want to tell the people why he's here today. What are you fighting for? Why is he here? Making it worse for everybody. Why is he here? Tell me. Is anyone paying? Come on. Come and tell. That's fine. What have I lost? Are you for real? I'm a man here. You're standing on Aboriginal land. Okay, we know your biological fucking walls. It's God's land. It's not bloody Aboriginal land. God owns it. Okay, this is Aboriginal land. We know about disease. And we know about reckless people taking it around, sharing it to those who are vulnerable. How dare you? We don't want to get an injection. If you want it, you go have it. I got it. I'm protecting myself and my people and my community and the vulnerable. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to remind these people of some history. Hey, we've got a, we've got a hero here who wants to say something. Hey, we're all Europeans as well. We know more history than any of you. <laughs> Talk about what, what's the, the zeitgeist here? It's, it's pointing out everything. Look at them. You're endangering people, you idiots. You don't get a lunch break. Do you know how many health workers do not even get a lunch break? Don't even get a lunch break. Oh, I love this. See, this is Australia. This is Australia. Hey, you must have had the vaccination, yes? Yeah? <laughs> You're vaccinated! I'm not frightened of, of any of these people. Yeah, what's you got to say? I was just wondering, uh, with the whole um, uh, Aboriginals and tribal law and all this sort of stuff, do you not believe that, say, the white people can actually come back and be able to help? This ain't helping, mate. Do you get that? You think this is yeah, seriously no, no. helping? In, in, in a way. You I, think these these these, these dumbass occupier governments are gonna yeah, come? Well, you think, you think you, you're doing favors for the public here? Look at you. More heroes, more heroes. That you, 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 you think you, you think you're fighting for us? You think you're our freedom no, fighters? No, no, no. Not. Have you ever been to a rally for a death in custody or for genocide yes, of the yes, Aboriginal people? Yes, I actually have. And I, so what are you doing here without a mask? Why do you think it's all right for you to go around endangering people who are vulnerable in the community? But that depends which way you come from. You see, um, you're seeing through the media's eyes. And we have had the experience seen. of biological um, weapons from 1770. Yeah. Okay? Do you know a thing? That this is a penal colony from its roots. And that lockdown and quarantine is just what, you, what Australia is. That's what you are. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. pay taxes to oppressors, do you? In, in do you? Right. Do you understand that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually completely understand that. But... You've got no answer. That's you think I'm not telling you this is not the fight. This is not, this is not, you, you, this isn't it. It's not, no, it's not about race. It's about you people think you've got the right to endanger others. No, we're not endangering others. We're fighting for each other. You're not the heroes. You're not fighting for Australia. You're making it worse here. Why? You've done it for 200 odd years. Why now? This is a representation of Australia and its ignorance.
You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Along with Melbourne, some parts of regional Victoria have again been forced into lockdown due to the Delta outbreak. I spoke with Brett Edgington from Ballarat Trades and Labour Council about the impact this is having on workers and the broader community in Ballarat. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, Brett. Can you tell us what workers are going through um, with this current lockdown? Yeah, so 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 far we've we've been pretty lucky. So there's 11 cases in Ballarat as of today. Ten of them are linked to three family groups and and one workmate on site. So since Ballarat went into lockdown on Wednesday, um, very fortunately, Touchwood we're we're sort of tracking okay. Um, it's been pretty remarkable. I think in the first couple of days, about five percent of the population went out and got tested. Um, so. It's sort of been a remarkable showing of solidarity from the local community here. Um, probably at, at this stage, what the worry is, and um, look, talking to Mark Tate, Foz, the Secretary of Shepparton Trades and Labor Council, mm. um, which was a really useful thing to to do going into this because Shepparton um, came came out of lockdown the day that we went into lockdown, and yeah. um, talking to Mark was really useful. One of the it wasn't so much in in Shepparton. The, the people that were getting the virus, it was the the primary contacts and the exposure sites. So, you know, to a point where I think at the height of it, about 17 to 20,000 people in Shepparton were, were in 14-day isolation. Um, and we're sort of starting to see that in Ballarat. I know that um, some of our supermarkets, some of our pharmacies um, were tier one exposure sites. And unfortunately, transmission has been, has been really low. But when you get a workforce that suddenly has to spend 14 days in isolation and is unavailable, um, that starts to, to you know, make a, take a big drag, not only on, on the workers that, that are left, that have to then pick up um, significant amount of work from understaffing, um, but also businesses that find that, you know, their roster and their call availabilities suddenly mean that they've got no one that, that they, they can bring in to operate. So we're sort of at that stage um, at the moment, um, Touchwood, we're, we're doing pretty well on case numbers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very tough. Um, and of course, the, the big thing in Ballarat, um, as, as a, a tourism sort of hub in regional Victoria, is that, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of our tourism and hospitality workforce now two or three months stood down without pay. Uh, and that, that's becoming just harder and harder. Um, some of that workforce is is transitioning to other jobs, sort of in, in health and service sectors where, where there's jobs available, which means that they won't return to tourism and hospitality once we reopen. And, you know, some of those workers just have to keep jumping through the horrific hoops of the COVID disaster relief payments and setting up Centrelink on your phone and um, all of all of that, which is so frustrating. Yes. Also, how's the hall going? Because I know it's such a hub for people coming and going and different events and community groups using the hall. So how's that going with going in and out of lockdowns and stuff? That That's probably looks psychologically been the hardest bit that, you know, normally during the day and of an evening here at the hall, you're right, there's, there's music events and there's groups meeting and there's a lot of activity. It's just 
eerily quiet at the moment. Um, during the last lockdown, fortunately, you know, some of our groups like um, AA and NA and some of those support groups um, were able to meet with 10 people for us because, you know, essential support groups were still able to meet with 10 people. Um, that's now um, completely stopped. Some of them have moved on to Zoom, but, um, you know, at a time when um, many of those people, you know, are, are absolutely pushed to the limits as far as their mental health and, you know, they find that they're unable to meet, that's been just so difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, given that some of the some of the people that attend those meetings are, 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 are you know, very vulnerable parts of our community yeah. that might not don't have, have access, access to Zoom phones or get onto Zoom or, you know, have access to the internet or, yeah. or, or basic things like that has been so difficult at a time of greatest need too. You know, we, we hope very soon that we can get some of those groups back meeting because that's just so important. But also, you know, for health and well-being, our, our cinema nights and our live music and performance um, where we've had to, you know, either cancel or postpone a whole lot of gigs. Last year during lockdown, we were in a fortunate position where we were able to still bring um, artists in um, and, and film them and, you know, do, do it as a YouTube feed or, a, um, you know, on, online feed to still get content to people and, and keep people um, occupied and employed. But we can't even do that now. So under the current conditions, we, we can't even um, get people into the hall to, to live stream. Mm. Uh, so it's just sort of all stopped. Yeah, that, that's been particularly difficult. And also, you know, a lot of people would access the hall or come in for support by walking in through the door. That's now been reduced, obviously, you know, phone calling us or contacting us on social media um, and stopping that part of the interaction has been, been difficult as well. Mm. Um, but still, still trying to reach out to offer support to people where we can. Yeah, that, that's sort of the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah. Um, the hall dark at the moment. <laughs> and I sit in my office trying to field inquiries on, on, on the phone and social media um, and online and email, which sometimes isn't ideal. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're dealing with workers that have been stood down or terminated or, yeah. you know, have, have bullying um, issues, underpayment issues. Yeah, sometimes you know, sitting face-to-face is uh, an easier way to be able to deal with those and get them the sort of advice and support they need. Yeah. You're listening to Stick Together. Oh, it's the best. We we had um, two fringe exhibitions planned for Trades Hall for the Photo Biennale. It's always an amazing time of the year that we look forward to every two years. Um, unfortunately, we've been un- unable to hang those exhibitions and, you know, given lockdown, people wouldn't have been able to come into the building to see them anyway. My, my big concern in that is that, like the Photo Biennale, uh, like many of our smaller theatre companies and creative companies, they, they have very limited resources, um, very limited finance. And, you know, as this drags on, they're just, you know, they're losing that resilience and, and the financial resources. Uh, and, and my great concern is that, you know, when we do come out of lockdown, um, a lot of those groups just aren't going to exist anymore just because mm. they've, they've used up all the resources, they've used up all the finances, and they won't be in a position to be able to, um, um, you know, to create the amazing works and new works and in- incredible stuff that they, um, you know, have created. You know, obviously, um, Trades Hall is a, an event space. Um, you know, we'll be really mindful to make sure that we, you know, offer the space at no cost or very low cost 
when we can reopen so that some of those groups might be able to get a bit of a, a, a kickstart from where they are. But yeah, I, yeah there's, there's a bit of state and federal government support around probably not targeting to you know the really vulnerable creative groups that we've got at the moment that just mm. don't have resources or the capacity to you know, even put the grant application together to yeah. apply. Yeah. And are there any other groups that are like in particular uh, struggling at the moment? Well, you know, we've seen um, only I think a couple of days ago in Ballarat the um, our footy leagues um, mm. cancelling the rest of their seasons, and um, you know, netball. Yeah. Uh, leagues, local sporting clubs, you know, quite often in these times, um, just getting, you know, getting together and playing a game, um, especially for younger people, you know, playing footy and soccer and netball and that yeah. um, has been, you know, really difficult and mental health wise, you know, yeah. it's the best thing you can do is get out and have a bit of exercise and run around yeah. spend some time with your teammates. And it's, it's mm. something that's been taken away at the moment. So, yeah, I think people's resilience is, is being tested um, and what we've seen work-wise as well is that you know employers last year who went into the first few lockdowns very supportive of their staff um, you know carried staff on pay during lockdowns um, have now stretched to the point where they've also run out of resources and finances to be able to do that and have um, you know just stood workforces down um, it has also been really difficult mm. you know heading into the lockdown we were unfortunately in pretty difficult economic times and we'd seen small businesses close we're seeing more and more of that where you know once was you know every third shop on the on the you know Sturt Street and through the bridge mall closed now we're seeing every second shop I think largely you know our, our federal government's um, economic handle on suppressing wage growth mm. um, before lockdown started I think there was a lot of families that didn't have um, that extra bit of money in their pocket that could go out to you know make discretionary spends to you know, go to a night at the restaurant or or do things like that. So we're already seeing pretty tough economic conditions heading into this, mm. um, just with workers, you know, really stretched. Uh, and, you know, obviously lockdown, well, you know, the first lockdown with JobKeeper put a bit of extra money into people's pockets. And there was yeah. a bit of a hit, I think. Um, as restaurants reopened, people had a bit of extra money. The yeah. fact that JobKeeper has been removed now and we're onto this COVID disaster payment, that's not the case anymore. So, you know, as we're seeing restaurants reopen with limited capacity, we're just not seeing people being able to make that discretionary spend. Um, I, I think people, you know, did save initially last year and, you know, removal of JobKeeper I think has been a, a, a terrible mistake and a, and a massive hit. Mm. And, and there's, look, uh, probably a two or three or even four-speed economy going on at the moment where, um, you know, our Mars McCain's and some of our big manufacturers are, are putting additional staff on and are busier than ever, which has been fantastic. But, you know, that's meant we've seen a lot of hospitality, as I said, and tourism workers especially um, transition to new jobs in manufacturing or health or services um, yeah. and you know, whether they'll come back to the tourism, hospitality and creative industries when this is over, that yeah, that's, that's the problem. I think we've seen those those transitions, um, yeah. and it, look, that's been great um, that those workers have been able to you know move into other positions and keep money coming in. But yeah, there's a lot of rebuilding in some sectors that have just been decimated. Yeah, maybe people will want a country change and uh, move to Ballarat. <laughs> yeah, and Bendigo. Um, 
that just well, you would have noticed in Bendigan, we've certainly noticed in Ballarat, just the massive um, population growth and expansion in housing mm. construction. You know, Definitely. we've, we've gone, yeah, our city's just if you head out um, towards sort of Colac and Carnamway and Ballarat now, there's there's massive additional suburbs that have just risen up in the last sort of eighteen months. Mm. Uh, as, as people are moving out of Melbourne. A great opportunity, I, th I think, for regional union organising. Um, suddenly we've you know, got massive populations, um, new workforces, um, and we need to be really vigilant to make sure that we, we recruit and service that new membership in the regional Victoria. So an important time for regional trades halls, um, mm. I think, to be able to um, set up the plans to be able to recruit and service that new population. Yeah, cool. It would be great to have some uh, more organisers based yeah. out of the region as well to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's something the union movement's going to have to to really look at. Um, you know, some unions, as you know, do really well. They have regionally based organisers and you know the ones that do because, yeah. you know, they, they service their membership and they do really well. Yeah. Um, some just won't come out of Melbourne. But, you know, I, I can't see... In the future that you know the big office towers in south bank or that will ever be reoccupied you know that for businesses who used to you know pay gas and rent and utilities on massive office blocks to have all their staff um on you know multi-level high-rises they suddenly realize that oh the taxpayer can pick this up and we can sit someone at home with a laptop and yeah you know working out in the regions i, you know, I can see a future where where um either co-working or working from home is going to become a norm and people are going to want to do yeah. that in regional Victoria. Yeah, um, you know, cool. can, there's better schools and there's better parks and better lifestyle and recreation. And that's what's driving people out of Melbourne to the regions at the moment. Mm. Um, I can't see that changes. I can't see that we end up with, you know, big high rises of office workers in the CBD anymore. Mm. Um, and unions are going to have to adapt to the new model um, and be prepared to um, be able to support and service and recruit membership um, in, in these new models that are being established. And that yeah. means you're right, absolutely, regional-based organisers servicing regional members. Yep. How do we make that happen? Um, yeah, well, I, I think it'll come down to, you know, I, I think raw mathematics and statistics. Yeah. Um, currently about 25% of Victoria's union membership sits in the regions. I think that will grow. And yeah. I think we need to get to the state secretaries and go, well, look, you know, more than 25% of your membership now sits out in Ballarat and Bendigo and Geelong and Albury and yeah. Mildura. Shepparton, um, yeah. Yeah. If, if you, you want to be where your members are, you're going to have to come out here. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks for listening and thanks to Brett Edgington from Ballarat Trades and Labor Council for taking the time to speak with us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 0394198377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, Whatever you do, there's a union for you. I'm Rebecca Mays. Catch you next time.